Welcome to 239 Uncensored. Everything Southwest Florida and beyond with your host, Tim Jurett. This podcast covers it all. Real talk on issues from real estate to real crime. Join the discussion on hot topics to politics. Don't get left behind. Be in the know about everything Southwest Florida and beyond. Welcome, welcome to 39 Uncensored Everything Southwest Florida and Beyond. And we have a great guest today, a good friend of mine. I've known Linda for a long time, Linda Waterhouse. Uh, she's the president of Kaiser University and she's running for Bonita Springs City Council. Wow, Linda, are you on? Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Tim. Thank you so much for inviting me to participate in this podcast today. And um, I can't wait to talk to you. Catch up. We're so excited, and and it's a great opportunity to catch up. I know we had a chance to see each other a few weeks ago, and actually it was last weekend. It was great. Got to uh, go to uh, the movies, and and they had, I guess, it's kind of cool how you can rent the movie theater now, and a friend of ours rented it, and I got to see it, and I go, we need to get you on the podcast, so that's really kind (laughs) of neat. That's kind of neat. That's great. So, wow, it's exciting. Um, You're getting into politics. Have have you ever been involved in politics, Uh, Linda? I know you do a million things, and and you're so busy in the community and, and all that, but have you ever been into the, the politic realm or world? Well, you know, it's, it's very, uh, it's interesting because I didn't really look at this as being in the political world. I, the position, city council, um, district four, uh, is a nonpartisan position. Okay. So I, I, I didn't look at it as being so polarized and so much of a political type of, um, of a race. However, after I got into it, I did find out that that's what most people think of it. So, <laughs> so yes, I'm in politics, but that was not <laughs> – I thought I was doing a volunteer job. <laughs> well, I, I've known you for a long time, and you – have a lot of things going and you just do so good and everybody loves to have you on board. I know you're involved in, I believe, Youth Haven still and it's just a whole bunch of different things. I know Leadership Collier, we met in uh, 08, 2008 in Leadership Collier and I, I can't believe it's been that while. But just so you know, as soon as you put those signs out, things start getting a little bit crazy sometime. <laughs> so, yes. you, know, you're, you are in the middle of the politic world. Now, the nonpartisan thing I think is pretty cool because it's like, listen, you know, we want you guys to make decisions based on what's best for Bonita. So I think that that would help you, you know, in the long run, but that's that you're in the politics. That's it. Well, it, it, it really is. And that's, that's the most important thing is, um, and my platform and what I have promised the voters of district four is that I would listen to their needs, that I want to collaborate. I'd like to build teams and that we'll be able to come to, um, solutions and that we'll do that better together. And I think that everybody wants the best for Benita. We want to uplift this community. We want it to be the best that it can be. And I think that collaboration is the only way that that can happen. And it's not only just at the voter level where uh, we can do something in, in Benita Springs, Benita Springs also needs to work with the county, so they need to work with Lee County. Lee County needs to work with Collier County. Um, 
we need to work with the state. We even have FEMA involved in some of our issues. And so this is not just a Bonita Springs issue. And uh, that collaboration and teamwork is going to be very key in being able to move forward. Yeah, and I think you're instrumental in bringing those people together because that's kind of what you're about. Um, what I've seen, and it's, it's called synergy, right? We all get together. Um, we do the right thing for the community. And I, and I think the people in Bonita, uh, I know if you get elected, they're going to see that. I mean, you, you're able to bring people together, talk to people, make things work, kind of keep the traditional, I guess, type politics out of it so you can accomplish your goals. I think that's the biggest thing. I think that's that's important. It sounds like that's the direction you want to go. That absolutely. I want to keep the eye, our eye on the goal of what we want to achieve and try to move past the uh, things that are holding us back. And I, so I think that right now, when you look at um, all that's going on in politics and just not being able to come together. There's, there is a middle road. A lot of people want to get to the same place. They have the same objectives. And that's what I, that's what I want to do. I want to help everybody get to that place where we can all be happy together. No, I think that works great. Now, let me ask you this. Why did you decide to do this now? I believe you've been in Benita for 25, 26 years, something like that, or been connected and lived there. Why now? Why do you want to do it now? Well, I think um, I think that we're at a point um, in the development of Bonita Springs and also probably my experience, my age of just um, different things. I feel like I want to give back to our community and I want to be able to have a voice myself in what direction we had. Um, I think that you know, I... We came to Benita. I, I originally moved to Southwest Florida in 1982, so I've been here for a really long time. I've seen a lot of development. I lived in um, New York for eight years with my husband, and then we moved back in 1994. And when we moved to Benita in 1994, uh, at Benita Beach Road and 41, we didn't even have the Perkins right, and right, right. the Walgreens. They were just fields. This was like a two-lane road. It I was, remember. I remember. You, you know, it was, it's, a, it's a very um, – so I live in Bonita Bay, and the promenade wasn't there. Uh, the the, the, the Where the fresh market, that whole area over there, that was, a, that was not developed. We didn't have where Publix and that whole Royal King, that whole plaza was not there. So, I mean, all of that was just undeveloped land. We didn't even know what was going to go there. So I live on the other side of the commercial um, development rate on, the, on 41. And, you know, one of our concerns was, well, what's going to happen in the 600 feet between the back of our house and 41? Right. And, you know, it turned out to be an office type of um, complex there. 
which was fine. But at times they talked about even having restaurants there. So I think that these concerns, and I, I appreciate that a lot of residents in Bonita Springs are concerned about the same things that I experienced over the years too. What is future development going to do to our community? And is it going to have a positive impact or is it going to have a negative impact? And we just want to make sure that we're guiding it down well, um, thoughtfully, uh, so that we don't make mistakes of making uh, things worse for ourselves, but make it better. Yeah, no, I understand. As we know, as we know that people are going to come here, you know, Benita, uh, Astero. A thousand people are coming to Florida a year, so how can we not have people Naples, continue to yeah, move it, here? Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's crazy the amount of people that are coming into town, so... It's just a matter our, of our I, population between now and 2015 is going to double. It's amazing. That's a fact. Yeah. 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 yeah it's amazing. And, and to think about it though, I think like you said, is the planning of that group of people coming this way, the planning of it is going to be crucial because if, like you said, if you make a couple uh, mistakes in that planning, you know, planning progress or planning, you know, schedule, or where those buildings are going to be, that's going to be a huge deal for you, and it's going to be difficult for people to overcome those uh, later on down the line. And I think it's important that you know people are there watching over that uh, with with good with good um, reasoning to watch over it. But you know, obviously, there's some things that are going to happen that you you want to have here, and there's going to be some things that you probably do not. So that's just my my thoughts. But I think that's very important. Obviously, yes. I mean, a lot of people. Stormwater management is a big deal in Benita. It's a problem. And people are concerned about water quality. So they are concerned that increased development are are things that could worsen these problems. And I and they're valid concerns of the residents to uh, be looking forward and saying, okay, if we put X number of houses over in this area, what is it going to do to my my piece of property? Is it is it going to increase in value or is it going to decrease in value? And I think our job on city council is to ensure that we are protecting the uh, property values of our residents. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I think we discussed it a little bit in the past. I've seen some great things in Benita. I used to work uh, in the street gang unit out of Collier County, and we used to spend a lot of time up in Benita, you know, helping helping the folks in Lee County. And at that time, it was pretty it was pretty tough. I mean, there was some gangs up there, but I will tell you that we're just not seeing a whole lot of that. I think that Lee County Sheriff's Office, along with us, have worked together pretty good uh, to you know rid some of that community with you know getting rid of some of the gangs. And I think. The development and the positive development—it's uh, kind of like the broken window theory. I think it's if you if you make a particular area nice, then people will start working on keeping it nice, and they will take pride in their community. And I'm really starting to see that uh, in Benita, and I'm, I'm sure you'd like to push that to the next level. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's very important for us to preserve uh, the the history of Benita. And I think that that finding that balance of being able to preserve the quaintness and 
the charm of the city at the same time having smart growth. And, and just as you mentioned earlier, there are some things that, uh, that would be nice needs that, that we would consider. Um, people are asking about downtown Benita and what might happen with the property that's on the river and et cetera. And right. the city is, you know, has um, somebody working on um, plans that we would be able to look to. But I think that that's the key is that we want something that's going to be a positive and not a negative and not just growth for the sake of growth. So that, I guess that kind of brings me into the next question. And you kind of like answered most of the questions already, but you being a longtime resident of Benita, um, you've obviously seen it evolve since it's become a city. Um, you've seen that change. What are the things you want to do as a city council member to, to maybe improve upon change or just maybe help get it in the right direction? Like, like I believe it's, it has in the, in the past. What are some things you want to do? Well, one of the things, I, I, I obviously want to be the voice for our district, our city, um, listen to the current concerns of the residents. And I've been walking uh, the neighborhoods, going door to door, talking to a lot of the residents here. And it's interesting. A lot of people are really happy with where we are. Uh, I would, as I mentioned earlier, stormwater management is is a concern. Water quality is a concern. Uh, traffic has been a, a concern. And both you and I have been here for a long time. We we know that traffic has been a problem forever. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, these are all things that take a lot of collaboration because it's not going to be a problem that can just be solved by the city of Benita Springs. But I believe that the county commissioners need to be a team. They need to be able to collaborate together. And sometimes uh, my concern is that that team um, approach is not there, that it's lacking. And so that is one thing that I really would hope that I would be able to bring. And another thing that I think um, that is more my unique experience and background is being able to develop a workforce. And we started um, Wolford College, which is the predecessor to the current Kaiser University that we have in Naples. And the primary reason that we started Wolford College was to address the shortage of nurse anesthetists. Right. And that was a big deal. We had such a shortage in Naples. We had such a shortage in Fort Myers. So both of our big hospital systems between the two counties were did not have a nurse, enough nurse anesthetists. They didn't have enough anesthesiologists, which meant potential shutdown of operating rooms. And so the... Um, Wolford College, when we started that program for nurse anesthetists, we ended up being able to bring a supply not only to Southwest Florida, but also to the whole east or the whole west coast of Florida, even into Orlando. 
and it was it it was it was really rewarding to see how we could take something that was such a drastic problem in the year 2000 and be able to find a solution that at this point there's still high demand for that profession but we have been able to um, keep our operating rooms open and done a good job of meeting the demand. And what we're not focused on so much, people don't think about this so much, but we need to look at our younger generation and being able to fill the job gaps that we currently have. And a lot of it is in health professions. So if you look between now and 2025, we have... Nine out of 10 of the top, um, the fastest growing jobs in uh, Florida will be in healthcare. So you're looking at a shortage of nurses, you're looking at uh, a shortage of medical assistants, nursing assistants, uh, radiology technologists, uh, et cetera. And so um, part of what I would like to do is to be able to help our community, one, help these young people, young adults, uh, complete whatever whatever path it is that they need to get them career ready and to at the same time help the employers with their their employment gaps. And you know from the sheriff's department, what you're looking at is people are anticipated to retire in the next, you know, five years or so. Right. That you have certain gaps and and these are the things that it's not uppermost in the resident's mind, but it is something that we need to be proactive about. I plan to donate my entire Bonita Springs City Council uh, salary to a scholarship fund to help students be able to complete their degrees. Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. That's so good. And like you said, though, a lot of people... We have a tendency, I mean, it's, it's, it's human nature to take some of this stuff for granted. Um, as far as when you go get a knee replacement or you go get your appendix out, you know, all those different things. You're like, you're expecting someone to be there at all from, from the nurse, from the lady who checks you in to the nurse, to the nurse, um, the doctor. You're expecting that all to be there. But if we don't focus on these little gaps, we will be out of business and out of, in, in a big trouble, you know, and it's like law enforcement. We just talked about it, you know, at Kaiser. I mean, we all know what's going on in the law enforcement community. Um, people aren't applying for several different reasons. It's a very a tough career <laughs> as we yeah. know, and things are getting a little tougher financially. It's a little bit harder because the money is not huge initially, you know, it's got a good retirement and that, those type of things, but to recruit people into this field, it's, it's being, it's, it's difficult. So to have, you know, to have like a stepping stone, such as, you know, something you identify again at a city council level saying, listen, this business over here might be a benefit if we allow it to exist in this part of town or wherever. And it'll, it's only going to improve the overall investment we have in the community i guess um you know that's that's how i look at it but like like you said at kaiser would be great to get the you know law enforcement thing kicked up and running and you know that would be a great feeder system for our law enforcement which we need you know well and i think that the what what 
people don't really um, acknowledge is that we need the businesses because we have a lot of great education systems here. We have a lot of great uh, career colleges. I mean, we have FGCU, we have FSW, along with Kaiser University, and we have a lot of um, technical colleges. And I think that uh, one thing that collectively that we've talked about is um, the need to be able to match up the employers with these prospective students right. so that they can do internships that employers want somebody that is experienced. They want a student that is career ready, but it's hard for that to happen without a partnership between the educational institutions and the employer. Yeah. And I'm involved in, um, Future makers and uh, part of the whole idea there is that exact type of path where you bring together all the parties that are needed as part of this coalition of educators, businesses. We have um, the community foundations involved. Uh, we have career source involved. And this is being able to bring all these parties together so that we can identify what the gaps are, being able to bring parties together, and then what do we need to do collectively to be able to take that person from uh, not being qualified to being ready to, to go to work? That's, and that's the, yeah, it's key. That's key. Yeah, and there's just so many steps. I mean, it can be that there are uh, roadblocks because of finances. There could be roadblocks because of language barriers. There can be a multitude of issues there. And it's kind of interesting until you are really analyzing the situation to see all the barriers that exist. But again, going back to, I guess, one of my key things is how do we collaborate because the collaboration is key, building teams that are willing to give here and there where they need to to make things happen. That's what we need. We need to be a team. Get to again to be a team, get the goals accomplished, I think is is exactly. the way to go. And that's all we can do. So I won't keep you too long, but I got one one last question I'd like to ask you. Obviously we've got 2020's been a tough one. Uh, I'm not I'm not totally Saying like everybody else, like 2020, we got to totally forget. But we, because <laughs> you know, this has some, it's had some good moments. But you know, it's it's been, it's been a little bit harder to find. But I, every day I'm, I wake up, I'm happy, right? So it's yes. good. So let me ask you this: How do we proceed? You know, with business in Southwest Florida with the COVID nineteen? I mean, we all know there's there's a couple different sides of the fence. How, how do you look at it, and how do you think we should proceed? Well. I, I think that it I think it's key to keep the businesses open. And I have been I, I work from home maybe two days out of this whole this whole time. Now our students weren't um on campus the whole time, but we instituted a lot of 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 safety precautions based on CDC recommendations. So we do temperature checks, we've had social distancing, 
the students wear masks. Um, we've staggered our schedules, reduced our class size so that the density on campus is not as great as it was in the past. And it's it's been fine. Um, we we have not had any issues. We had this past week, somebody was in contact with somebody that had COVID, but so far we don't have anybody that has tested positive on our campus. And so I think that says a lot about uh, what you can do safely. And um, I, we didn't know this back in March. We've we've obviously learned a lot over right, right. the past several months, and it's easy to look back in retrospect and say, "Oh, if we'd only done this or or that." Um, again, Monday Mon, Monday morning quarterback, but right. a lot of those out there. Know. A lot of those out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but um, I, I think that uh, I, I'm so saddened by the things that have happened the people that have lost jobs and the businesses that have closed as a result of having to be closed. And, and it's just, that part is so unfortunate that I do think that businesses can operate safely and just take whatever precautions they need to until the time that we do have a vaccine. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think when we, if we shut down everything, it's just going to put us in a total uh, spin. I mean, I think for a while there, we were. I was getting a little, getting a little bit nervous. Uh, you know, May, June, July. Uh, you know, everything was lo- pretty much locked down, and then we all know that that can only go so long because these businesses. I mean, there's there's businesses that seriously just one or two nights out of the month could change whether they're open or closed. Let alone being shut down for long periods of time. And, exactly. get, and getting people back to work. And I think doing it as safe as you can. You're not going to be 100%. It's just not going to happen. But do it the safe as you can and let people know that you're trying to do it as safe as you can, I think, is, is crucial. And I think, I, would you agree, Linda, that we have learned a lot about how we do things uh, I know some of these restaurants are amazing. I'm like, I like this pick up at the curb thing. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's amazing how people have learned to kind of morph into it. I don't want it to be maybe like that forever, but I think it's going to, a lot of businesses learn how to do some things that might in the end help them a lot down the line. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that there have been positives. I think that a lot of businesses have been able, the, the businesses that were able to adapt they've probably found some little niches that will be ongoing for them and help keep them successful that maybe wouldn't have worked right. under prior prior conditions. Um, and, and as long as they need to keep this lower density and things like that, that's, that's the only way they're going to be able to have those supplemental revenue streams is to come up with something else. And so, like you said, that's great for the customer. It gives them more options. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think I, I totally agree that um, we have had positives in spite of the fact that um, it's been difficult. And we have learned so much. And really the answers that we think right now, so everybody's pro-mask and should you mandate masks and and then you still have authorities on both sides saying that 
uh, a, a mask is good for you and the harm of wearing a mask and or a mask <laughs> is not safe right. for you. So I don't know what we know. Right, you know, I guess right, that's what right. bottom line, not to be, not to be uh, skeptical, but I guess in some way I'm, I'm willing to follow whatever guidelines are the best information we have at the moment. But I'm not so set in any and married to any one solution because I don't believe that we necessarily know the right answer. Right. I agree with you on that. Um, and, you know, and, and there comes to a point where I, I wear if, if I'm told to wear a mask, I'll wear it. I'm just one of those, those people. Um, I don't like it necessarily but if it makes somebody else feel more comfortable that i got it on you know it's like hey it's not it's not like a huge battle to whether or not i should wear it and and if somebody looks at me and says you know this guy doesn't have a mask on i'm kind of like you know of course when i'm working i have a little bit different different look at it because i i have to wear it but yeah i'm just about you know trying to trying to make this work my big thing is if if it if I have to wear a mask to keep these businesses running and keep everything going, I'm all for it because I see these poor people that don't always have the opportunity. If I go into a restaurant and I leave this lady a, a $10 tip now versus a $5 tip, if I need to wear a mask just to sit down and give her that opportunity, I'm all about it, whatever I got to do, because I don't want to see these places locked up and closed up, and I think it just it just kills everything. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm in the same way. I... I have stated that, that, and it has um, sometimes not been favorably taken, that I'm not in favor of a mask mandate. However, I am very much an advocate for and believe that we should be protecting our vulnerable population. And out of respect to other people, I do wear my mask. I have to wear my mask at work right. when... I go outside of my office, mm-hmm. and um, and all the businesses that uh, where I'm required to wear a mask, I wear a mask. Uh, I went out, like I said, walking door to door to um, meet the voters, and I wear a mask. And that's because I don't know who I'm going to approach. I don't know what they're going to think, and I don't want to put anybody at risk. And so... Um, that's my personal choice, and it's out of respect. It's not because I feel that I want somebody to tell me I have to wear a mask. I just feel that that's the right thing to do. Right. And like you said, if that's what it takes to keep our businesses open, if that's what it takes to keep people safe, then that's the right thing to do. Yeah, and I always, I always look at it like this. Throughout the the years, thousands of years, when people – sneeze or they cough 99.9 percent of the people cover their mouth right they cover them whether anything really helps from it it's just a polite nice thing to do so you know that's kind of you know that's kind of what we're where we're at well that that's so true and and it's funny because i i keep telling the story that in january i we have a campus response team and I have to, we have to do trainings once a month. And my session in January was on hand washing. And the reason that I had this session on hand washing was for the simple reason that uh, one of my employees 
had a young child and he was saying, oh, my, my son doesn't ever, he doesn't really wash his hands and he was getting sick. And I was saying, well, you know, you need to teach him to wash his hands because that's going to be key. You're, you're getting sick because of him, even though you've never gotten sick before in your life. And we knew it was going to be a bad flu season. COVID was kind of there, but it wasn't like a it wasn't really like a highlighted right, thing in, as yeah, much January. in January. So it, I was doing this training session on hand washing and hand sanitizing simply because of the flu season and just trying to help, you know, minimize that on campus. And uh, so I think that there's a lot of things that have been our practices in the past that, like you said, um, we're just expanding on it a little bit more, but they've right. been there. Right. They've been there and reminders, right. reminders to people to do the right thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Linda, we wish you the best of luck. Anything we can do, obviously to, you know, get you, get you on the right direction as far as uh, help and all that stuff. Just let us know we're here for you. And, and we're looking forward to this and, and we want you to come on uh, as much as you want. Two, three, nine uncensored. It's, it's going really good. We're getting, you know, thousands of downloads. It's, it's kind of been a, a fun hobby that's turned out to be kind of cool. So we really like it. The podcast uh, world is uh, going a little bit wild right now. So I, I, I'm glad I'm in, in Southwest Florida doing this. So it's a good time. So when you get on that city uh, council, we want to get you back. So let's let, <laughs> okay. get, get that going. But it's been great. Um, anything else to add? No, just thank you so much, Tim, for having me today. And everybody can visit my website. It's votewaterhouse.com. And um, I hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you very much. And uh, it's been a good time. It's been a great podcast. We're very honored to have you on. And uh, good luck, Linda. And we'll keep an eye out for you. November 3rd. Yay, oh. November 3rd. going to be a big day. <laughs> 239 Uncensored, everything Southwest Florida and beyond. And we are out. <laughs>